Hello, it's me again. Welcome back to Viva La Festiva. I'm your host, Jacob. This time, I have the boom for my recording device, I have a better hold on scheduling, and I even have a little routine before attending festivals. This routine consists of me working out in the morning, uh, pulling out cash, filling up the car with gas, getting myself presentable, and making sure I have all of my needed gear. Maybe I'll make myself a little checklist to optimize all this. Friends of mine know I'm a big fan of checklists too. I also got myself a little scrapbook that I found at a thrift store for just a buck. It has some good sized pages and it's in really good shape. So yeah, I have a reason to collect all the programs they hand out at these festivals and business cards. And maybe if I have the energy, I'll print some pictures to put in it. My wife and I actually got back from our honeymoon not too long ago. Again, I'm recording this in November of 2022, where we enjoyed a good week in Niagara Falls, New York. I bring this up mostly because we went on a guided tour while we were there and learned about the history of the chicken wing. Now there's a ton of debate about who started serving chicken wings in the country, and I could really write a whole report on this topic alone, but I encourage you to look into it yourself. Anyways, again, the reason why I bring this up is because of our tour guide, a man named Zach, mentioned to us that there's a chicken wing festival in Niagara Falls, New York, that I think occurs in July. So I just might have to make the eight hour drive to attend that. And who knows, I guess it depends on what day it falls on. Either way, I'd probably have to use some PTO to attend it because we would have to allow ourselves time to drive back. Anyways, I cannot stress enough how much I am loving this episode, but cannot give myself the credit to be honest. I had help from an extremely hardworking individual that you'll meet soon enough. My wife actually believes this one will be the best one so far. I think I might have to agree too. There's content, there's interviews, there's amazing ambiance, and there are incredible people. So I suppose that should conclude the opening notes. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Viva La Festiva as my wife and I cover the Chris Kindle Market Festival in Carmel, Indiana. On November 20th, 2022, my wife and I attended the Carmel Chris Kindle Market in, you guessed it, Carmel, Indiana. Note, this is the Carmel, Indiana, as in C-A-R-M-E-L and not caramel, like the candy. Apparently, this city is infamous for having a plethora of roundabouts, or I think some might refer to them as traffic circles. And yeah, we learned that when we were coming in. The Carmel Chris Kindle Market is a festival that occurs from November 19th to December 20th with various performances and events sprinkled throughout. We had the address put in, which was 10 Carter Green, and the GPS brought us right into the edge of the event, which is not ideal because we, of course, were looking for park parking firstly. We had to circle back and eventually found some parallel parking a couple blocks away. My wife and I were bundled up with thick jackets and headgear, and rightly so because it was about 20 degrees when we arrived. We weaved between a few luxurious apartment complexes and were able to find the Chris Kindle Market. Needless to say, the energy was high any which way you looked. There was so much to do, but we arrived around 12.20 p.m. and I had a scheduled interview at 12.30. So we found the nearest map and we found the guest services building where we had arranged to meet with our first interviewee. But before I go into that, I want to talk more about the venue of the festival. This large city center was an outdoor area that was lined with various huts. These huts each had a sign above them with their title in German. The smaller huts were designated for vendors to sell their goods, whether they were food or handmade items. There were a few medium-sized huts that visitors were able to walk in and purchase goods, almost like a small market. That's where I purchased a, quote, Christmas soda and a rather interesting large chocolate bar. My wife got an interesting bag of small wafer-looking treats as well. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I wasn't so self-conscious about my pronunciation or else I would really try to put the names of those treats uh, but they're in German, I don't know, I just feel like I'm going to screw it up. But I'll try to include some words here and there at some point. Oh, of course, there was an ice rink too. And there was a pretty solid amount of people out there skating too. That rink probably took up about 30% of the entire area of the festival. 
and you'll soon learn that it has a pretty high demand from festival goers. Let's see, there, um, there was also what the locals refer to as the pyramid, which I thought was kind of odd because it kind of resembled a windmill more than, more than a pyramid to me. Due to the large windmill-like wings that rotated above this large wooden hut. Now within that hut, there was a few decorated mannequins that rotated along with those wings. So I don't know, this structure almost reminded me of like a cuckoo clock too. Within this large hut, there was a crew of three people serving out some interesting alcoholic drinks. Well, I don't drink, but these all seemed kind of delicious with or without alcohol. There were wines of flavors like baked apple, sugar plum, uh, elderberry flower, cranberry, and blueberry, things like that. Okay, wait, wait. I have to mention this now before we go any further because it's relevant. But when we first arrived, we noticed some people walking around with these really cool small mugs that were in the shape of a boot. So this sparked my wife's attention because she loves to collect mugs. So this large hut where they were serving the hot wine was actually serving all the drinks in these small mugs. Another feature that I really think showed that the festival went above and beyond was the addition of outdoor heaters placed in some resting areas across the festival. There were also these small gazebo-shaped things that had small gas-powered fire pits in the center. In the past, I had always seen these at a distance and questioned their efficiency. Well, now up close, I can really say they had a pretty good range of heat. Would I get one? Nah, I don't think so. But I definitely appreciated these in this chilly weather. Directly next to the pyramid was a pavilion-type structure where there were some picnic benches and a small stage setup. So, let's get into the first interview I conducted. Now, I gotta prepare you for this. Because, dude, I was not expecting this. Okay, because look... Whenever I set up interviews, I legit just hop onto the Contact Us section of the website and introduce myself and my podcast. I also mentioned that I would like to interview anyone. The only criteria that I ask for when it comes to interviewing somebody is that they have a love for the festival and knows a little history about it, more or less. Honestly, it could have been a volunteer or an assistant coordinator because I'm just a lowly peasant and I don't want to take up too much of anyone's time. And I had emailed back and forth a couple times with someone named Hannah who said, yeah, sure, you can talk to Maria at 1230 at the guest services building. So I was like, cool. So Maria works at the guest services part of the festival and I could take like 10 minutes of her time. No big deal, right? And when I found Maria at the guest services building, she was a pleasant woman with the high energy and even remembered my name. So I was looking forward to interviewing her and cool. Yeah, no, cool. Well, it turns out that Maria Murphy is actually the CEO of the Chris Kendall Market. That's right. The eyes, ears, head, shoulders, knees, and toes of the festival. The award-winning Carmel Chris Kendall Market CEO was talking to me. It was an honor, truly. Like, wow, I was not expecting this at all. So I'll come back down from cloud nine, and I'll start up that interview right now. Give me a chance to speak with you today. Before we get started, can you pronounce the event we're currently at? Because I feel like I'm like butchering it every single time. It is a difficult word, Jacob. The name is Carmel Christ Kindle Marked. So I always like to say it's like saying um, Carmel is obviously easy, and then Chris is Christ with a T. It's like a, the guy's name Chris with a T at the end. Right, right. And then Christ, and then Kindles, like the Kindle Reader. Kindle Reader, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Christ, Kindle, and then Marked is like the guys you know, like Mark. Mark. Because yeah. okay. you've got that K in there. Okay. Mark, yeah. With a T at the end. Mark T. Mark T. You okay. got it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I was oversimplifying. Mark T. And how long has the festival been going on and how much has it grown over the years? So we founded the Carmel Chris Kindle Mark in 2017 and it has been going on for six years although we have, it's only our fifth market season. Who's, who's this? <laughs> this is AJ. Hi. How are Hi. you, AJ? Good. You want to tell them about what you're doing here at the market this year? We're selling, um, what's they called? Um, Beer steins. steins. Yeah, Beer with your steins. mom, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Are cool. you having fun? Uh-huh. <laughs> good, good. I'm, this is perfect. I love it when someone... I, people, just little kids. Yeah, so, some of the people that I interview, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry if it's too loud. I'm like, no, I want the ambiance. Yeah. You can always edit it out if you don't like oh, it. No, no, that was great. That was pure. Okay. So I'm sure there's a lot of preparations that go into something like this. 
Uh, how early do you guys start planning all this? And is it a challenge every year or has it gotten easier over the years? Absolutely. It's always a challenge in new ways. Um, of course, in the beginning, it was like a total new, un so many unknowns. Sure. Now we know more about what we're doing, but we always want to make it better and better. And so there's always new challenges as we develop new features here at the market. Okay. So we got here, obviously, today, the 20th. Yesterday was the opening. Uh, can you give me a rundown? How Was it was it great? Was it the, the opening ceremonies or anything like that? Yeah, so we had opening ceremonies on the stage where uh, we have a, a figure that's um, kind of like an angel of Christmas. It's called the Christkind. And in Germany, you open your presents on Christmas Eve. And so it's the tradition is the Christkind brings the presents on Christmas Eve. They don't do the traditional Santa Claus like we do here in the U.S. And so the Christkind comes in and there's a little bell rung and then the kids can come in where the Christmas tree is and all the presents are there. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So we have a Christkind here at the market and it's an um, essay contest. So the, you can fill, the girls that want to do it do an essay and then we have um, a selection committee that reads through them and selects our first, second, and third runner-up and then they rotate making appearances here at the market. So our first runner-up got to be on, at our opening ceremonies and ring the opening bell oh, yesterday. Wow, it's quite man, an honor. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So what are some of the absolute must-see events that occur during the uh, during the duration of this? So we have a fun event that I really like. It's called uh, the Glühwein Gallop. So Glühwein is the traditional mold wine that we serve here at the market. And we have a 5K that starts here at the market, goes around the city of Carmel, and then ends here at the market with a nice glass of Glühwein. Oh, there you go. That sounds pretty nice. <laughs> that one's a fun one. We have a number of other events if you check out our website. Great. Yeah, I'm sure five five years back when I was really into running, I would have loved something like that. <laughs> as of right now, not as much. Especially not in this weather. I don't well, know. it's a That's fun run, so you could walk it if you want to. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Still get your glue line. <laughs> so I'm seeing an immense amount of people here. How many visitors do you believe come through here on a daily basis? So it varies um, depending on the weather, mostly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the day of the week, of course. But on a very, very busy night, we'll see about 10,000 people an hour. So oh my in a whole season, we see around 400,000 people. Oh, oh wow. Gosh. And so what do you think your favorite part of the festival is? Um, that's a really great question. I, I love all the food. I personally seek out amazing vendors who sell crazy, awesome products and food. <laughs> um, so I just love it. I think my favorite part, honestly, is just seeing the faces. I know it's cliche, uh, no, but it's no. really true. When you look around and you see the smiling faces or you see the people cracking it but themselves trying to ice skate or whatever it is like I, it just tickles me and I can't help but be in a good mood when I'm here sure. and as far as the fans what do you think the fans the fan favorite is so the glue vine the, the mold vine. spice wine that I mentioned before everybody loves it we've got myriad of different flavors that you can try the new one this year is sugar plum so oh, I actually was gonna want to try that one try the, the, oh it's so good we'll, we'll have to get you a sample here in a second and see what you think um, the other food favorite is probably our raclette, which is where you get the bubbly cheese on top and then you scrape the cheese onto a baguette and you can add some meat in there. It's so good. Okay, that sounds my, right up my alley. It's I'm so the food guy. Good. Okay, yeah. we'll get you the raclette. We'll get her the glue vine. <laughs> and then as far as the product goes, I think the fan favorites are probably the boot mugs. The little boot mugs yeah, that you I can saw collect. Those. Yeah. And we've been doing those since 2017. So people, it's really collection. If you Google them and go to eBay, there's some of those sell for like $20 or something oh and they're goodness. not I mean we sell them here for five so sure. that's quite a markup uh, so uh, there's clearly a Christmas influence here but do you believe this is a great time for anybody regardless if they celebrate Christmas or not absolutely it is amazing how much of a community event this is and we will have on a really busy night I'll walk through the crowd and I'll hear four five six different languages I'll see different um, outfits that represent different religions and cultures and so there are so many people who come that don't celebrate Christmas and they just get come because it's a welcoming and fun environment. Absolutely, okay. 
Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say to any of our listeners that would be considering coming to Chris Kindle Market? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Good job. Perfect. Okay, I'll get better. <laughs> um, just come out. Check our website out before you come. If you're going to ice skate, you do want to pre-buy your tickets. Because on a busy night, we will sell out of all of our sessions ahead of time. Oh, man. So you don't want to come and have your skates and then cry because thing you can't get on the ice. So, okay, so we avoid a, tears, buy your tickets ahead. That's a great advice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so thank you so much again, Maria. I think there is a lot to see, so I'll let you go, and I appreciate your time. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you. So Maria wanted to take us for a small stroll around some of the places across the block. Our first stop was at a bustling hut where a festival must-have called the Raclette was being served. These sandwiches consisted of a kind of stinky cheese with some ham, onions. I think there were pickles in there. I don't know, but it was actually really delicious. And that stinky cheese thing, it was just like, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where it's the it doesn't really stink. It's just more of like a, like a thick, I don't know, just a, a thick stinky cheese. But it, that didn't, the taste was great. I don't know. Just what I'm saying is pay no attention to the smell and focus all your energy on the taste of that guy. The next stop was to see an amazing man named Ringo. He was hard at work creating these small wooden Christmas trees with a special rotating wood carving deal. I'm sure there's a word for it. Uh, Watching this man create these wonderful, small, intricate works of art was mesmerizing, and the room was serene as we watched in awe of this artist at work. Here's that audio. When I'm here, because I've been just like working to get to this day. Right, right, right. And so then, like yesterday, I was like, I have zero appetite to eat any of this stuff because I just, I haven't even eaten any of it, but I've like been thinking about it so much. I don't know, it doesn't make any sense, (laughs) but like it doesn't sound good right now. Too stressful to eat a little bit sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Exactly. Move, move, Kate. So this is our workshop, our workshop. And um, I went to Germany, and I met with different artisans that do Christmas wood art in Germany, and invited them to come and do demonstrations. Oh my gosh! So you're about to see Ringo Mueller, who's from Zeifen, Germany, and he will be presenting how he makes little Christmas trees that go on the different decorations he makes. decorations in the back. Oh See the person goodness. holding the tray with the little green tree? Yeah. All done by hand. Wow, that's, that's here. In the middle of those trees, yeah. all done by hand. Wow. So this is the, it's lathe turning. He has such a nice little setup here. Right Isn't it fun? Keurig back there. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi. How are you? Doing all right? Thank you. This is Jacob and Megan. I'm Ringo. Ringo, nice to meet you. We were just admiring your, your Christmas trees here. They do a podcast. Uh-huh. So would you like to have a tree? I w- we would love a tree, absolutely. <laughs> That's so funny because we, we moved out here to Indiana uh, earlier this, this, this year, and this is going to be one of our Christmases that we don't have a tree, so <laughs> we'll have a little tree at least <laughs> Yay! to be with us. Oh, yeah. This is your first year in Indiana. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, very uh-huh. cool. Well, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Look, the beginning is a square piece of wood. And I already cut it the edges. Yeah. And now, with that tool, I turn it smooth and into the shape of a tree, shape like a spiral. The general shape. And then, with that tool and a little hook here, yeah. I pull a very thin piece of the wood and push it downwards. Just and once. it curls. Uh-huh. So maybe you can see it. <laughs> It's so beautiful. I've watched this a hundred times and I could watch it a hundred more. It's so mesmerizing. 
Yeah. From that to that. Yeah, it's a transformation. It's yeah. only handwork. <laughs> wow. Still the same piece of wood. Ooh, it's so cool. Thank you, Ringo. Yeah, you can say that. I still have a new one. <laughs> oh, that is so Ringo weird. is the best. <laughs> so who who taught you? This is a profession which you can learn. You learn. But only in our village. The village called Seifert, southeast of Germany, and the profession called Wooden Toymaker. So can you see the red dot there? So but um, I'm the fourth generation in our work workshop. So my great grandfather founded the company in eighteen ninety-nine. And um, the technique which I use is the same they used. But now we have electricity, so I don't have to push the blade <laughs> on my leg. But the tools after a few other stops, we came to see the Alporn people doing a pre-show before their main performance on the main stage. There were three musicians lined up where visitors were able to take their picture with the Alporn. Of course, we took a few, and we even got to talk to one of the musicians. Before I play that interview, I want to remind you that Maria is still with us at this point. The CEO has just been walking around with us at this festival, and she's saying hi to people, and she has this giant smile on her face just from seeing the happy people around us. Again, I cannot stress enough how much I appreciated the time she had dedicated to just us. Anyways, this next audio is me speaking with a musician that is a part of the Midwest Alporn Retreat, who talks about her history with the Alporn, but also the history of the Alporn itself. Which I would think you would have, because we were shocked we didn't see very many YouTube vlogs about this one. Let's see, well, that's the goal here. I want to we try need to, to bring get some going because I was shocked to see all this stuff we were watching between our sets yesterday because it was so cold yesterday. The wind was really high, and yeah, I have pictures on um, Facebook. I had ice, I've had ice in my horn because when we're put the warm air is turning into ice by the time it reaches the end, there, huh? Oh, it doesn't even get that far. It's like right in the first joint. There's when you take it out and you see the shards of ice because it was, it was. 19 and 18 last night and it was windy this morning anyway i I hope you guys can get some nice things out there and then uh sandy told me there was a place i was supposed to go and i'll go up to the front and find out to um do some survey thing to say because i've been to a lot of german festivals Uh, yeah yeah and the one in yeah yeah because she said oh it all goes by that survey and i'm like that's weird Right. It's a way for us to. But we just did not see a lot of stuff on YouTube. Was like a, the best, and I said, you know, they can put their own description on it. I see. Yes. Right. YouTube. I mean, you just put your own title on everything. Yeah. So my wife was telling me that you had a pretty good story about um, how you started doing this. Do you mind? Oh yeah. Well, um, I was just a young kid. Um, French horn player in college and I walked by a group that was that was playing this bunch of older men just now I'm in that that same age category and uh, they they said um can you come up here and would you play this piece and it was a classical piece that I knew from the Brahms first symphony and he said can you play this and of course I was just every other cocky young kid and I said yeah of course I can Oh, of and course I, I played it with them, and he said, "Great, you're in the concert tomorrow." And I was like, "No, I don't think so." Wow! <laughs> I wasn't sure I wanted to be hanging out with that that crowd. Sure. <laughs> and um, and then they asked me to start playing different performances in the summer for their different summer festivals in the Oktoberfest. And when I found out that I was going to pay these fantastic fees and. I would play the Elphorn so many sets per day with the other Elphorn player, and then I would also, um, like everybody, um, when the polka bands, the German bands were playing, that I would um, help out with the dancing. When you get some young kids out there, then they're all like, oh, yeah, everybody's staying, and everybody's having fun. So so then, yeah, so then it was just like a done deal. Yeah, let's hear you play some.
competition this last summer in um, Neda, Switzerland. It's the largest Elkhorn competition in the world. Um, they have over 300 people there. And we play together at the very end. And I came in second place. First time an American has ever placed that high. Um, so I was, I was, of course, very proud and very happy that it worked that way. Um, it's a lot about understanding the folk traditions. So what we just heard us do was um, an imitation of something that was written probably like in the 1940s by Martin Christen, a very famous maker of Elkhorns and um, person that wrote down some of the traditional tunes. So we try to stay with the most traditional things that are probably from, we have no idea, um, as I did the history of the Alpohorn with uh, Pro Havesha, the Swiss um, cultural minister uh, in Switzerland. They helped me and I did that for my dissertation. It was original research, a PhD, and I researched where we could find the most authentic things. But everything is just being remembered from one family generation to the next because music wasn't written they played on the in the mountains it was the shepherds so every family would have one child that would become the shepherd a boy generally because it's a kind of a you need a lot of bravery you would take the cattle up into the mountains in the early springtime and you would stay there all summer till fall when it was starting to to you know snow was going to be coming and then they would bring the cows down and that's when they would have the Oktoberfest but the whole time they would be up there and they would signal back down into the valley to their parents I am well at the end of the day they'd play this particular we call it it's been titled a call so it's a just short number of pitches like what we were just doing and it would be like a calming signal they'd also play to calm their cattle they said it. Um, they talk about the rowing of the ca- cattle as they're walking, but that's because they walk on these like switchback little paths up there. And that's you know sort of how we get Gruyere cheese. Gruyere cheese is a particular kind of cheese that's made uh, or manufactured in Switzerland in Gruyere, and it has to do with the kind of mountain flowers that these cattle eat, and that produces then the milk that produces these specific. Wow types of cheeses so you're going to get all these specific things so this young person would stay up there all this time in the summer by themselves and then they would pass it on to the next one so he would have learned this from his older brother or father all these different Elphorn tunes and they'd play alone and they'd just be signaling down to the valley to their parents that all is well or the most traditional thing was a calf broke its leg. We need someone to get up here to set it because, you know. So it's a way to kind of communicate down. Yeah, it's a, a very basic, very, very basic. And we know uh, the oldest thing that I found was from from the ninth century. And there is a shepherd that went into a church in, you know, the late springtime and he was probably you know it's too early to go up to the pasture they weren't going to have a lot of cheese yet they weren't going to have milk up there and he went into a monastery and he really wanted to get some food so he played for the monastery and they gave him two chunks of bread so we know that they were very loved and they did play in the monasteries because it plays in what um, the older music notation which is known as modes instead of like we have major and minor keys now back then they had things called modes and it gave you a much more of a distinct emotional appeal and this instrument plays in Lydian and Mixolydian two modes so it's sort of minor and the other one is more like a little similar to major yeah so yeah so we play a lot of tunes um, but we play sort of in the manner of if you think of the the folk children's song bingo B-I-N-G-O, I-N-G-O, N-G-O. Yeah, so when we're playing a particular song, we're going to leave out some notes that we don't have or are more out of tune to your 20th century ears. But we play some, we play jazz, we play German marches, we play waltzes and polkas, we play Christmas tunes. Cool. Are you guys on YouTube or anything like that? Oh boy, we have a big channel. I have a big channel, yeah. It's the Midwest Alphorn Retreat. Midwest Alphorn Retreat. And you can see all kinds of things on there. Um, it shows our trips um, in Switzerland and us um, hiking. Yeah, I would love to see that. Eating yeah. and all kinds of things. I, I would love to hear jazz. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to play ice blues and we play um, blues to Alps. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we play a number of little things. Yeah. Great. Do you guys have a performance coming up or in, in yes. here in the main stage? Yes. At two. At two o'clock. Well, that's pretty soon. Yeah. In about yeah, fifteen yeah. minutes. Yeah. We're kind of out here doing our photo op time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we had lots of children that were coming up and and adults who just said, "I just want to get my picture taken with it." It's sort of we play in Anaheim um, at Disney for Oktoberfest, and so we have a lot of people. We just we call back and forth, and then there's all these little princesses walking around, and they want to get their picture next to the oh, and I see you probably get a lot of uh, pins all over the place yes yes from our travels yeah we've had a look we've had a charmed life sure <laughs> well thank you for your time I, I, I think yeah we'll definitely try to catch you guys on the main okay. stage there all right bye thank, thank you, you. After we finished speaking with the Midwest Alphorn Retreat, Maria took us to the Pyramid, where she treated my wife to a small boot mug of the Glutwein that everyone loves so much. She indeed loved it, and best of all, she finally got her boot mug. <laughs> At this point, we had to part ways with Maria, and we couldn't have asked for a better person to stroll with. I can't thank her enough. Again, I know I've said that like several times already, but I, it's, it's just true. Before making our way to the stage to catch the Alphorn performance, we decided to get a schnitzel with sauerkraut on the side. <sighs> Woo! Damn! <laughs> I, I almost feel like this would be the point in time where I would have some kind of sponsor to talk about, but we're not just there yet. So let's talk about some of the reviews on Google that I've seen about the Caramel Chris Kindle Market. Now these reviews are actually from last year, and I'd say take them with a grain of salt because... Some of the negativity about the festival was really not apparent this year. David Riggleman gives four stars saying, Lots of fun shops and beautifully decorated. There are also many good food options to sample from. It can get very crowded, so I'd recommend going on a less busy time, such as a weekday if possible. The ice rink was closed on the day we went because I think it was too warm. Sue Ream gives five stars saying, A beautiful way to celebrate the holidays. This little German village includes Rafklet, an ice skating rink, a tiny heritage building, all the shops and food of Germany you could want, all served in the holiday spirit. Live music and fires to keep you warm make the winter experience warm. Lots of lines, so make sure you allow enough time. Jess Hughes gives a three-star rating, saying, I read about this event online and was really excited to check it out. It's definitely very popular because every time I go, it's super crowded. Things are a little bit more on the expensive side, which makes sense for such a large attraction. The ice skating is super fun and well worth it, and the authentic food and desserts are definitely pricey. Everything was pretty good, especially since I like German food, but you're definitely paying for the experience more than the food. The paths can get pretty muddy, and when the temperature drops, good luck grabbing a spot by a fire pit. Sabrina Champagne gives five stars, saying, No holiday season is complete without at least one visit to the Carmel Chris Kindle Market. You can ice skate on the outdoor rink, purchase some truly unique gifts, eat traditional German food, and sip on some warm beverages. My favorite part is the Glühwein. The pyramid offers a great variety in the annual holiday mug, but they offer cider, hot cocoa, and various styles of beer. They have so many fun activities for kids, performers, singing and dancing, and lovely lights on the tree. It's impossible to not have a good time here with all the hustle and bustle of traditional songs. Happy holidays! <laughs> that one's kind of wholesome. <laughs> all right, and just to keep things unbiased, here are some one-star reviews. Jessamy gives one star, saying, Very disappointed. Not at all what a Chris Kendall market is like. The items being sold are ex entirely too expensive. The ambiance was severely lacking. The worst had zero flavor. The pretzels were nothing close to the real Breslin, despite there being an excellent pretzel wagon in Indy. Where was the crepe stand? Where was the Kropfen stand? Iconic for a Chris Kendall market, and they were nowhere to be found. The glue vine was okay, despite having to use a styrofoam cup. Did anyone do their research and organize an event? Love the thought, but this was not a German Chris Kindle market. <laughs> all right, okay, okay. Sorry. I, uh, Dale gives one star saying, not at all that good. Purchased a pretzel and it was cold and was really bad. Put most of it in the trash and saw others doing the same. Lines for food, what there was, was long, not worth the time. Nick gives one star, saying, very small and not worth it to get there. That's it. <laughs> that, one, that was it also. There's just one, one sentence. <laughs> now I can really rant about how much you should not listen to those one-star reviews. 
They were really not insightful at all, except for that one that seemed to be overly critical about the event. And you know, in the non-stellar reviews, I couldn't help but notice people complaining about lines for food. I really can't testify for other times of day or more towards Christmas time, but considering we went on the second day of opening, we really didn't see any long lines. <laughs> I think I'm legit getting triggered from reading these poor reviews because I just love the festival so much. At this point, we took a bit of a stroll to the other side of the festival that we didn't get to see just yet. This side had some other small souvenirs and some uh, had simple refreshments. On this side, I managed to buy a cool magnet, which is another thing we tend to collect. We also bought a pretty lace ornament from the sweetest old lady you'd ever meet. Now, I have to let you know that Maria actually came through still at this point because she was actually able to secure me an interview with a very interesting musician by the name of Chris Burris. Now, I'm already a big fan of Chris Burris because after our interview, he said that he thought this idea for our podcast is brilliant. <laughs> so let's move on to our next interview with Chris Burris and his hurdy-gurdy. The instrument you play, can you, uh, what, what's it called? Yeah, so it has a couple different names, but the German name of it is the Trilaya, which translates to wheel fiddle, essentially. A more common name for it is the hurdy-gurdy. That's the English name for it, yeah. Okay. It's essentially... It's a very ancient instrument. It's been around since like the 1300s, uh, mostly in Europe. And uh, the, the simplest way to describe it is it's kind of like a mechanical violin, but instead of using a bow, it has a wheel and a crank. And so you crank the wheel, and the wheel vibrates strings which are stretched across the wheel. And then you have keys that work as the fingers for you. So it, it kind of sounds a little bit like a, like a bagpipe because it uses drones and uh, melody strings. But it's a stringed instrument, and a lot of people are kind of confused by that when they hear it because uh, they think it's a bagpipe. But it's a stringed instrument, and it you know it has a crank instead of a bag, and and it's not Scottish at all. You know, it's very used in Germany, used in France, used in England. Okay. Uh, and how, how many? How long have you been playing this instrument? I've been playing it for probably about ten years at this point, maybe a little less. Do you remember your first one? Is this your first one, or this is not my first one? This is the this is the one that I take outside. Oh. You know, I say it's an acoustic instrument, so okay, okay. it's only going to do so well when you're playing in uh, freezing temperatures. I, okay, and this I this you. one stands up pretty well. Okay. Uh, but no, I I I, uh, I live in Bloomington, Indiana, which is a place that's got a great music school and. Um, it's one of the only places actually in the U.S. that has a community of people who meet, who all play Trilaya. And um, as, it's, as I said, it's mostly, it's mostly played in Europe. It doesn't really have much of a presence in the U.S., but coincidentally, they live in the same town that I do. And I've always been interested in ancient music, medieval renaissance music and instruments, and so that's kind of how I got connected with it. That's where I first learned how to play it. What is your favorite thing about Chris Kindle Market? I mean, it's got to be the glue vine. The glue vine. People yeah. probably already said that to you, but I love getting my collectible mug. I got, I get one for every year that I, I perform here. Yeah, I think that's uh, going to be our new thing. First yeah. of all, she loves, she collects mugs. But yeah, I do too. Oh, and yeah, you, you got to get one every time. Yeah. You know, it's a different color, and yeah, I love sitting with the glue vine. There are people here now that I've. I uh, come to see year after year, so it's fun to come and say hi to them. And yeah, yeah, the, you kind of reminded me about the, the community that you find in Bloomington. I think that's one of the, the great things about festivals like this is that it kind of brings together people of a certain culture or a certain music, like Absolutely. you said. Yeah, yeah, like speaking of the Alphorns that you hear right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I came in, and it's like that, that's a very familiar sound to me. It's like, oh, you know you know the Kindlemart is happening if you hear the Alphorns oh, okay, doing their thing. So. <laughs> do, uh, do you have any students or mentors that you're teaching at the moment? Not right now, you know. That obviously the pandemic kind of oh yeah, kind of changed a lot for performers and for gigging musicians. Um, but as I said again in Bloomington, when when this uh, hurdy gurdy community event happens, it is a time for students and teachers all to come together and to learn things from each other. And, Absolutely, and that's how I do. That happens in, in around September. So that's that's kind of the the teaching hurdy gurdy month is September. Okay. So um, are there. I'm sure you're always, since you said you're a professional, you're always challenging yourself. Is that the case, huh? Absolutely. The hurdy-gurdy is an instrument that, like, doesn't have a lot of easily accessible resources for it in terms of, like, the music that you traditionally learn to play on it or the technique that you build on it. So, like, that's always a challenge to find more about, like, the scene out there. That's yeah. even kind of a weird thing to say, like, the hurdy-gurdy the scene. scene, yeah. That doesn't really <laughs> exist. But, uh, but, like, you're always looking for more traditional music, and a lot of it is so old. So like you're you're trying to dig through like archives and 
places where you might try to find it, libraries and things. And so much of the instrument is done through oral tradition as well. So that's one of the real challenges of it is that you're just trying to like learn tunes and keep them in your mind. And that's when I perform here, I don't use any music. I have all the tunes in my head. And oh, wow. It's just 45 minutes where I just play through all of these. 45 tunes. minutes of memorize? Yeah, oh yeah, my goodness. So that's part, like, that's part of the instrument. Like, it comes, yeah. it comes with calling yourself a hurdy gurdy player. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Now, going back to the hurdy hurdy gurdy community, is there any kind of, like, uh, rock stars, you know, like just guys that are just like, or guys yeah. or women that are just amazing at it? Yeah, yeah. There's a guy called Guillaume Desk. He's French. A lot of the really. So there, there are really good German hurdy-gurdy players and really good French hurdy-gurdy players. Guillaume Desk kind of markets himself as the, like, Jimi Hendrix of the hurdy-gurdy. Oh, yeah, all right, man. Yeah, yeah, he uses all these effects pedals, and he's he's got, like, double bass drum, kick drums. Wait, wait, playing. you said uh, pedals and all, like, there's an electric component to these hurdy-gurdies? Oh, yeah, like, I mean, obviously, you know, for this one, for the Kindle Mart, I play, like, a very traditional setup. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I mean, hurdy-gurdies... You get like a great electric setup going on one. You can do all sorts of things. Wow. You, you can make it sound like an electric guitar, essentially. <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. I mean, that's an art of its own. Like there are builders out there who specialize just in figuring out how to put pickups in hurdy-gurdy. Right. I, I mean, it, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the instrument. It just, it's just, you know, this box shape. And there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of intricate workings that are going on yeah, in there. It's, it, it's built of about 200 parts. 90 of those are moving parts. And so we always say like, Part of being a hurdy-gurdy player is also being a mechanic. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you have, like, your instrument, and you have the things you would expect. Like, you have extra strings. Uh-huh. You have rosin for the wheel. But then you also have, like, screwdrivers and Allen wrenches oh, and oil and tweezers because it just has all the... It has a mechanical instrument, you know? Right, right, right. It just requires all these adjustments being made on it all the time. Wow, so yes. that's part of it, yeah. Yeah, so you, you have to really know your instrument in and out, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Are you performing today? Have you performed already today? Or Yeah, I perform at 3 o'clock today. I'll, you know, as I said, I'm kind of an old veteran of this now, I suppose. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'll be going up there, uh, uh, getting set up. And, uh, you, know, you know, we always, always have like a little meeting with the sound person because it, uh, getting this instrument mic'd is a little complicated, yeah. speaking of, of pickups and things. Yeah. So that's always kind of the first adventure of uh, my performance is to figure out how we're going to get it mic'd and everything. And, and then I just start and I just go. You know, I just start, and I said I just play through all my tunes, go from uh, 3 to 3.45, and people really enjoy it. You know, it it gives such an authentic sound because it is such an ancient instrument, and and it played plays German music for hundreds of years. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I really like doing it here. Okay, and how many uh, how many times are you going to be performing during the the, extent, the length of this? Festival? Yeah, I, I'll be doing about um, seven, seven or eight performances. Okay, well, of the season. okay, awesome. I mean, I think we're, we're lucky to get you in 45 minutes, so we're going to see you, yeah. Um, okay, do you have any questions for him or anything like that? Any interesting? No, no? Yeah, good luck yeah. out there. I mean, do you, do you get nervous at all, or are you kind of anymore? No, not anymore. I mean, I mean, when you said that you just kind of let let yourself go, yeah. I totally feel that, man. So, okay, all right. Yeah, well, thank you for time. your time, Chris. Yeah, it was nice to meet you. Thank you. Chris has been coming to this festival for four years now and really understands that positive energy that Maria had mentioned. Chris was going to be performing in half an hour, so I was grateful to speak with him. At this point, my wife and I had both a pretty good appetite still, so we decided to go looking for some other foods. We came across a large-sized hut with a giant grill in the center where we were able to share a bratwurst. While we snacked, we found another walk-in hut where we got to read more about the history of German immigration and the Chris Kindle Market. Once we popped out on the other side, we took a seat, but not too long of a seat, because we heard that bagpipe sound that Chris had mentioned, and we both shot up to go to the main stage.
was a fun experience. <laughs> I mean, think about seeing an instrument being played for the first time. The hurdy-gurdy is definitely a unique instrument, and it kind of looks like a cello had a baby with an accordion. When I asked about the difficulty level for playing the hurdy-gurdy, Chris had said it's kind of like patting your head and rubbing your stomach at the same time. The sound of the instrument had a dark, haunting vibe to it that kind of reminded me of that one scene in Midsummer where the women were dancing to be crowned the May Queen. I went back to rewatch that scene just to see if the hurdy-gurdy was used, and although it is not being played, there is a stringed instrument that seemed to be the same concept. That instrument in that movie actually had a someone playing with a bow, but they were constantly moving over that strings without stopping, similar to the way that Chris mentioned that the wheel goes across the strings. We were kind of nearing the end of our time at the Chris Kindle Market, but we wanted to grab something warm to drink, and there were tons of options. Scattered around the festival were huts with Gluvine, hot cocoa, coffee, craft beers, and typical canned sodas. I think the festival did a great job of offering that variety. We got a pistachio coffee that really hit the spot. When we took a restroom break at one of the four restrooms, it was really clean in there. After that, we took our stroll back through the few blocks to our car and left the Chris Kindle Market. So let's get some boring stuff out of the way. Let's talk about trash. <laughs> well, there really wasn't any trash flying around or anything like that. There were plenty of trash bins around, and I think the staff had done a wonderful job of making sure none were overflowing. Like I had just said, the restrooms were all clean and well-maintained by the staff. As far as prices, uh, you know, I can kind of feel for the others on that, because some of the stuff was pretty up there. But what I will say is that I only stick to using the cash that I bring to these events and in this case was $60. So for less than $60, I got a schnitzel, a coffee, a brat, an ornament, a chocolate bar, a magnet, and a soda. So I don't know, I think that was pretty good considering. The crowds were not bad either, and I think the immense amount of vendors were to thank for that. And I'm not sure if this is the case, but I bet the market, and Chris Kindle Market stands for market, because the way all these huts were lined up kind of reminded me of just that. So that design in particular... Uh, I bet contributes to good flow of people without bumping shoulders. So I don't know, you could probably see why I kind of shrugged off those negative comments that had to do with the long lines and crazy crowds. Besides, if you look at those comments on Google, you'll see that a lot of them have replies from the festival committee. So maybe they saw those issues and worked on them to make this year way better. Now remember, we also went at 12.30pm on a Sunday morning, so I'm sure the time of day can affect the number and possibly even the month as well. But I don't know, maybe we caught the after-church crowd and this was as packed as it gets on that Sunday midday. Is this a family event? You know, how is that even a question? <laughs> like seriously, you, uh, you, you got all this winter cheer in the air and the ice skating, the hot cocoa, the music and all that. It is definitely family friendly. And what is so chill about all this is that it's free admission to attend and it's in this big open city square where anybody can just pass by and stop in for a bit. Also, during the time we were there, I noticed some QR codes placed around the place asking to vote. When I followed the QR link, it brought me to a page where there was an apparent contest going on for the number one holiday market in the country. At the moment, the Carmel Chris Kendall Market was number two behind a Chris Kendall Market occurring in Pennsylvania. So, maybe in the future I'd have to fly out there and attend that one. <laughs> A big thanks goes out to Maria Murphy, as I cannot explain how helpful she was with my coverage. I would also like to thank Chris Burris for his time. In addition, a huge thanks to Midwest Alporn Retreat, and be sure to see them on YouTube. wasn't that great. <laughs> I'm really proud of this episode, to be honest, and I'm learning so much already. Like for one thing, I'm pretty confident now I'll be using my boom from now on because ugh, I unfortunately had to cut out some of the content of the interviews because I didn't have my boom on and the slightest breeze really sends it into that static sound. Who knows? Maybe I'll make my way to a better mic with a more intense boom. Back on this being a learning experience, I have also tried to improve my writing, my interviewing skills, my coordination, and my preparations, which is ultimately something that I am welcome to, which in is itself a learning experience. I mean, as of now, I consider this podcast as a hobby, just like any hobby, you find it to be fun, 
and naturally you start to learn how to make it more fun, sometimes even quote-unquote better. On the other hand, I am a bit of a workaholic, and I'm trying to bring in a bit of a business aspect of it by trying to think of sponsors that might want to help with the podcast. The hard part about that is I'm not necessarily sure what kind of businesses or products would want to back a podcast about festivals. So I'm currently trying to think of the correct answers to this fill-in-the-blank sentence. People who love festivals also love blank. Hmm. Food? Wallets? VPNs? Mobile games? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure, but I do want to find something that I'm actually passionate about. Not something that's just willing to give me a check. In fact, I would love to get to a point where the festival actually sponsors me, and I'm able to attend the festivals covering the events that they feel need to be prioritized. Now that's a tough thing to negotiate or formulate so that it makes sense. I think I'm rambling. Maybe you've heard enough of my voice for now. So thank you for listening, and I encourage you to look into any festivals that are around your area. Adios!